What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today, which is, of course, a sports ethos presentation. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99. All of my fantasy baseball content comes out over on that platform, so whether it be these podcasts, my articles like the one from yesterday, which we will talk about, or different things I put out directly onto Twitter, you guys get it all in one place. Please do go check me out over on the Bird app. Now, we can finally say at this point of the season, I think pretty much every single league, they are in playoffs now. We've been, for the last couple of weeks, saying some of you are in playoffs, some of you are still in the regular season. And I mean, obviously, this doesn't really apply to Roto so much, although you guys have already heard my thoughts on that. But we're pretty much at the point where if your league is still in the regular season, you've gone, I don't know what your commissioner was doing, because at this point, Leagues are pretty much going to be running until the last day of the season. So if you haven't, then it'll be like a shorter playoff format a format, excuse me, at this point. I think most of you, if not all of you, are into the playoffs. So that is very exciting. I know my home league playoffs start today. I had a or sorry, my <clears throat> my semifinal for my home league starts today. Um, another couple of leagues are everything is pretty much into the second round, a couple of them just starting off, but very important time of year, so we will be talking a little bit more about schedule today, and we'll be talking about teams that play more games this week than others, where it might be, you know, a guy, add a fringier guy on a team that plays seven or eight games as opposed to a guy that plays five or six games. So we'll talk about the teams that have the uh, advantage schedule-wise and a little bit about their matchups. We'll do what we usually do here as well. We'll go and look back on yesterday's top performers, talk about a couple of two-start pitching options for this week. But it'll be more focused on that schedule and the playoffs. Maybe not more focused, but that'll be another added interest that we have today. We will start the way we usually do. We'll look back on yesterday's top performers, and it was Taiwan Walker. Believe it or not, Taiwan Walker had the best game of any player yesterday, at least we're talking about points. So it was 38.5 of them over on the Yahoo side. He had seven innings pitched, 10 strikeouts, one earned run, and he allowed five hits. He got the victory against Miami. And before we go any further, I want to say right here that Taiwan Walker's next start is against the Pirates. So this time of year, those matchups are absolute gold. Obviously, Taiwan Walker is not somebody who's going to be available in many leagues. But there's a chance that he was dropped given these last couple of weeks. He hasn't been so sharp. His last start against Pittsburgh was not the greatest. Uh, He actually did arguably better against the Dodgers in his previous start than he did against Pittsburgh. But he has had a bit of a a rough stretch of opponents before these last two. It was the Dodgers, the Yankees, and Atlanta a couple times. He's had a bit of a rough go of it, but still, the numbers for the season is 348 ERA. He's won 11 games. He's done a pretty solid job. Now, there has been some up and down with Taiwan Walker. I was very big on him earlier in the season. But there has been some fluctuation in his roster percentage. He's right now at 62 I would say that he makes for a pretty solid ad for this week with that start against the Pirates. That's that's money. You're going to be looking for those kind of teams down the stretch here. Vlad Sadler put out a fantastic tweet earlier today, which I did retweet, where he was talking about. Here, I'll, I'll read it verbatim because it, it's just it's just perfect. The most important thing when setting fantasy baseball lineups this week is forget draft equity. No player owes you because you drafted them high. Are they healthy? Do they have great matchups? What's your alternative at that lineup slot? Bear down, the season is about to be over. This is absolutely entirely accurate, and he made the example of Luis Robert and Jake McCarthy. Now, I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but this is something that's really important that I'll probably point out a couple of times throughout these next few weeks, that just because you have that guy who was, maybe you drafted him in the first few rounds, maybe some of you were still holding on to Whit Merrifield or something like that. Like, there's no need to be doing that anymore. You need to look strictly at recent performance and trends and matchups. So, 
Taiwan Walker is definitely somebody that you should be adding ahead of that Pittsburgh start, despite the fact that he's been a little bit shaky for the course of the year. He's been pretty solid as of late in that that matchup. Like I don't, I can't say enough about that Pittsburgh matchup. Uh, you're going to absolutely want to go and add him up for that. The next guy we're going to talk about here is Rowdy Telez, who hit the 30 home run plateau yesterday. Congratulations to him. I wish he was doing it in a Blue Jay uniform, but that is life. Rowdy was kind of struggling here recently, and I say kind of because over the last month he had hit seven home runs. Now that came with a 189 batting average, but seven home runs in a month is still seven home runs. Now, obviously, that kind of production with a low batting average is probably more for points leagues. If I'm going to be honest here, I don't know if Rowdy is really going to cut it over these last couple weeks. Their next two matchups here are St. Louis and the Yankees. Now, as solid as Rowdy has been as a whole, he's a top 150 player for the season. I don't know if I'm trusting him at this point of the year outside of maybe specific roto needs for home runs. If you're in a head-to-head category league and you kind of need a little bit of production everywhere, he'll, he'll, he'll probably hit a few home runs. But it'll come with a bad batting average, not like a crazy amount of runs in RBIs. He does have 80 RBIs, which is pretty good, but only 56 runs. Obviously, he's not a threat to steal. So I, th- I think there's probably some better options out there than Rowdy who contribute a, a little more of a well-rounded way. And we'll talk about, I'll go through my article briefly later on and just talk about a couple of guys that I would be adding up for this week. I think Rowdy, as much as I love him, as much as I'll always have a connection with him because of you know coming up with the Jays, I don't know that he's really going to cut it here. Like I said, specifically in Roto, if you're just trying to catch up in home runs or in a points league, I could see it, but I don't think that we really need to take too much interest here. Tony Kemp, he's another guy I'm not really taking too much interest in, but he had himself a very good day. He was three for four yesterday. He tripled and homered. Uh, He scored four times and knocked in three. Now, Tony Kemp is not somebody you should really go and interest yourself in. He's got five homers for the year, but he's got, from memory, I'm not doing this looking at baseball savant or anything, but he has one of the lowest uh, exit velocities, barrel rates in baseball. It might even be the worst. So Tony Kemp is not somebody that you can expect to hit a lot of home runs here. He doesn't really provide a lot of value. He plays in a very big ballpark. He has stolen eight bases this year, but that's the high point of his value. Now, he's batting 287 over the last month, but I just don't think there's really enough worth there with Tony Kemp, despite, you know, batting near the top of a lineup. It's just a pretty poor lineup where I don't have a ton of faith in an ad. So uh, for me, I'm, I'm leaving Tony Kemp on waivers here. Justin Turner, he hit a couple of home runs yesterday, and he has turned his season around pretty well over this last month. He's hit into a 348 average with five homers and 22 RBIs. And obviously those RBIs are just going to come rampantly over on the Dodgers. But for the season, Justin Turner has a 277 average, only 13 dingers for the entire year, five of them in this month. It just goes to show you what a rough time it's been to roster Justin Turner. Uh, 56 runs for him, 78 RBIs, and three stolen bases. Justin Turner is in the boat where he just has to be rostered because of the team he plays on. Yes, he's been pretty hot recently, but the main reason I'm owning Justin Turner at this point, the reason why he's made it through the year on a lot of rosters, I think, is because he plays for the Dodgers. He's not somebody anymore where you can really depend on that kind of production like even what we saw last year it was kind of similar like the average was similar the stolen bases sure and the rbis will be pretty close but we're gonna see like a drop off of 30 ish runs and 15 ish home runs it's not great but he's still playing for the dodgers he's typically batting somewhere in the five six range there's still a lot of value to be had in justin turner he's 85 percent rostered right now couple of you guys might have him available in your more shallow leagues where I think it's probably more of a coin flip anyway, but he's somebody that you should probably uh, be keeping an eye on if he is available there. Julio Rodriguez also hit a couple of home runs yesterday, and it's been kind of, 
I don't know if it's, you can't really say it's been a slow month for him. I just kind of been, I feel like our attention has shifted uh, from Julio Rodriguez towards guys like Michael Harris, Adley Rutschman, even Spencer Strider. Uh, as exceptional as Julio has been, 25 home runs, 24 steals, a 277 average. I think missing that time with the injury, I think it, I don't think it's going to hurt his rookie of the year case. I think it's still his, but it's kind of interesting how we move on to the next shiny new object so quickly. And you'd still see him at the top of betting odds. And if you were going to hear someone specifically talk about rookie of the year, they'd mention Julio. But we are in such a, the sports world is such a, what have you done for me lately? Even if that lately is like two weeks where you haven't been good, you're going to hear about it from people, or maybe they're just not going to hear about you if we reverse in that situation. Obviously, Julio is still elite, but the thing that I will say here, and this kind of goes back to the Friday show with Rob DiPietro, is I don't know that Julio should be necessarily a top five pick next season. And I was making the comparison with Michael Harris, who has done essentially what Julio has done, and you could argue he's been even better than Julio, playing in a much better lineup. You could argue that Michael Harris could make that swap into that top five with Julio. And some people would say, it's crazy, you can't put him there. Michael Harris, in like 92 games, has a 20-20 season, roughly. It's like 18 and 17 or something like that. Like, the guy is completely legit while batting from typically the 6 through 9 spot. If he's leading off next season, like Rob said on Friday, if we see him leading off in spring training a couple times, Michael Harris could be that guy next year who is what we hoped Julio would be. And I think that you'll get Harris three or four rounds later. He'll give you something pretty similar. So, just something to keep in mind. That's not a diss on Julio. He is still fantastic. I just don't know if he's going to be a, I don't know if he should be a top five pick per se. I think that he's should be in the first round. And if he is going to be in that first round, then Michael Harris should probably be talked about along, uh, along the same vein. So I do want to talk a little bit now about scheduling and about teams that have more games than other teams this week, about some of their matchups. I think that's really important this time of year. If you're going to add somebody on today or yesterday who has five games, then it's probably not that valuable this week. If they have a couple days off, you kind of need every bit of production you can get. But if you're talking about a couple of these teams that play eight games this week, that's where you start to see some fringy players that might be more interesting. So I'm going to segue a little bit between this and between the article that I wrote because there's one or two guys that will that'll work when we and you guys will understand in a second here so the first team we're going to talk about is the Cincinnati Reds who play eight games this week there are five teams this week that play eight games Cincinnati Miami Pittsburgh Tampa and Toronto so Cincinnati has their first four against Pittsburgh and the last four against the Cardinals the first four of them will be at home and the last four of them will be uh, in St. Louis so the guy I'm going to be looking in particular to add here is TJ Friedel and he has been unreal uh, for the Reds here, specifically since he's been batting leadoff, but really it's gone back for, I guess, close to a month now. Uh, he went deep on August the 19th, and since then he's hit five more home runs. He's batted 344, and he's only striking out 11% of the time. Another cool thing is that his WRC plus is 200 exactly during that period. So TJ Friedel has been essentially two players, providing you two players worth of value during that time. Now, four games in their hitter-friendly ballpark against those, you know, fairly mediocre Pirates arms. We have Bryce Wilson going tonight, and then Juan Oviedo, and uh, they have not announced the second starter for tomorrow's uh, doubleheader. And then we'll have Ronzi Contreras on Wednesday for the finale. 
not looking at studs here. We're not looking at, at aces. I mean, I like Ronzi Contreras down the line. He can be a really strong, uh, really solid pitcher. And even this year, he's pretty good. But that's a pretty safe bet when you're looking at a guy like Friedel or even like Jake Fraley, who's got that extra game or two this week versus a couple of other, you know, guys who might be okay. But I, I think I'll take the eight-game guy who might not be a stud versus the five- or six-game guy who might be a little bit better. And especially when you start off the week with 15 Roughly 15 at bats in Great American Ballpark. It might be, it might be 12. It might be 18. But I think 15 is a, <clears throat> excuse me. I think 15 is a pretty decent number to project there. You're almost guaranteed to see a home run or at least multiple extra base hits in that time period. Friedel has two doubles and three triples since that August 19th game. He's a pretty safe add, I think, for right now. He would be the guy. I mean, Fraley would be a nice alternative. But I think that that for right now. Uh, TJ Friedel should be your priority ad here for these next few games. The site that I'm using for this, by the way, hashtagbaseball.com. You can check every week of their schedule. You can sort by day. You can sort by who plays the Sunday and then the following Monday. Like, There's a lot of really cool stuff you can do here. Uh, hashtagbaseball.com. I found this site through basketball for setting basketball schedules uh, for fantasy last year, and they actually do it for baseball too. It's really worthwhile. I'm sure there's a lot of sites that do it, but this is the one that in particular I found to be pretty useful. So the next game or the next team that we'll mention here is the Miami Marlins. They start off the week with a couple against Texas. uh, That's today. And then they play Philadelphia three times, and then they finish off with Washington three times. The Marlins are a little bit trickier because there's not really a standout fringe guy for me I mean Garrett Cooper is probably probably the guy that you should be looking to grab and he is somebody that has been added up a little bit he's been pretty hot over this last week he's 10 for his last 23 and the matchups are pretty good right you get a couple against Texas you get three against Philly and then three against Washington you're not seeing the greatest pitchers there you're really not Joey Wendell might also be somebody to consider during this stretch. I'd probably prefer Garrett Cooper, but Wendell is a little more versatile in terms of his eligibility at second, third, and short. He's also been on a decent little streak here. I mean, he's six for his last 19. He's not great, but when, uh, when you're looking at those extra that extra game there, it can really make a difference. It's not that it's always going to make a difference, but it, if you're looking specifically at counting stats, and I think on the batting side it is more important to look at counting stats because that accounts for 80% of them. I wouldn't worry so much about it when you have the schedule advantage like this. Now, you might say, I just mentioned Rowdy Telez. He's a guy who doesn't contribute in the batting average category, but he contributes pretty much everywhere else. Well, the Brewers are one of those teams that play five games this week. So I'm not saying that you have to drop Rowdy. He's not someone who's like a must-drop player. But if you're comparing Rowdy Telez to like a Garrett Cooper for this week, I'm going to take Garrett Cooper, even though I'm a much bigger fan of Rowdy. You're going to get those eight games. Maybe he sits one. Let's say he sits one and you still get an extra two games. Unless the only thing you're really worried about is batting average and in head-to-head, you're you're looking for a little bit of everything. I'm I'm going to go with those fringier guys. This is the point. That's the main point today that you might have to take a couple of those fringier players and plug them in where it might not feel great. It really might not feel fantastic to have to sit down a guy like a Luis Robert or a Maryfield, or a whoever. We've talked about Ty France. He's he's on the shelf right now. And he's kind of been back and forth. There was a while there where Ty France was a must-drop, must and then you know he had that week where he had like four home runs. And now he's got an, a wrist injury. It's like you might have to bench him. You might just have to bench him, especially in a weekly setting. And don't be afraid to do that just because you drafted somebody in the top 100, because you drafted them in the top 50, or even like if you drafted them in the first round. I don't think that there's 
any reason to be starting somebody at this point of the year just because they're a great player because they have a lot of potential. Like I've made that argument this year about a lot of different players that they have potential, they can grow into this role, they can yada, yada, yada. But at this point of the year, there's not really much room to grow. You can see maybe slight growth from a prospect who's been called up like a Hunter Brown who's going to start tomorrow, who, as a side note here, is also a guy you should be adding. But you're not going to see drastic changes from a lot of people over this last month. If anything, you're going to see them in the opposite direction for these guys who've already pitched close to an entire season. If you're approaching 180, 200 innings, odds are your arm is probably more fatigued than you know the guy who's pitched 115, 120 innings. So just another thing to consider here. There is no, there's no formula at this time of year. There is no precise, you have to do it. X, Y, and Z, and then you'll be successful. No, every team obviously is very unique, and there might be teams where you have to start Luis Robert just because, I mean, I should check and make sure he's not on the IL right now because that's always, like, I, I don't have any Luis Robert shares, so I'm always, like, a half step behind on the news. He's held out of the lineup yesterday. No IL stint, though. Maybe you just have to and hope that he gets the start. I mean, I hope that you're in a different situation than that, but there's going to be people who, who will start him. He's still 93% rostered. He's only had 28 at-bats this last month. He's done... Pretty much nothing for you. So, you know, just keep in mind, you drafted somebody high. It doesn't mean they've earned a spot in your lineup. You know, you could take a guy like a Jake McCarthy who's been on an absolute tear or a Friedel or whoever, Bubba Thompson and one of these guys and put them into your lineup and it's it's going to be the right decision most of the time. Obviously, it won't be the right decision every single time. I wrote about how you should drop Ty France the next week. Ty France went off. It does happen. But for the most part, these guys, if they're at this point of the year and they haven't found it, they haven't figured it out, or they're still getting hurt, or they're just not on the field consistently producing, then they have not done anything. Like, you don't have a relationship with these people. Drop them. Send them back to the waiver wire. You don't have to look them in the eyes. Just get them off your team or put them on the bench. Those are, for a lot of these guys, unfortunately, those are going to be your options right now. Whit Merrifield is another one that really comes to mind. And he's a guy who is still rostered in 69% of leagues. Out for this last month, he is outside of the top 900 fantasy players. He's the 902nd ranked player with a oh my God, six for 42 with one home run and two RBIs. No stolen bases. Why on earth would anybody in a championship week or a semifinal week put in a Whit Merrifield? It's because they drafted him in the second round. So... I've gone on about that point, and I'm going to keep going on about it. I'll probably mention it one more time at some point today in some context, and I'll continue to mention it throughout the week. There will be times when you feel pretty sure about something, but until you hear somebody else actually say it, you don't feel comfortable in doing it, whether it be whatever. You can, you can apply to any kind of countless situations in life, but especially right here, you might want to drop one of your guys like a, like a Luis Robert, and you might think, I can't drop Luis Robert. He's still over 90% rostered. He's still an elite player. He's a top 20 dynasty guy, blah, blah, blah. It's just something that you would have a little bit more trouble doing if you hadn't already heard the idea from somebody else or had your own idea reinforced. So that is why we will, we will mention that multiple times throughout the week. Start the best available options and matchups, not the guys that you drafted the highest. I can't stress that enough. Pittsburgh is the third team that has five games this week, and there's honestly... Only guy I'd really, really, truly want to go and grab right now is O'Neill Cruz because for whatever reason, he's still 63% rostered. He has been unbelievable for the last like month plus. Over the last, well, it's specifically these last couple of weeks, but over even like, you could really look at his entire season as a whole, which is 250 at-bats and say it's been incredible. It's been really good. 
for what you would have expected. I mean, he's like the hardest exit velocity, like I think in in Statcast history, and he throws the ball harder than anybody else in Statcast history. So there's that. He is extremely powerful. 14 home runs in 250 games or 250 at bats, excuse me. Seven stolen bases. He somehow got 31 runs and 44 RBIs for a team that does not score a lot of runs. It's it's been remarkable for O'Neill Cruz. But these last two weeks, he's 17 for 50 with four homers. He's batting 340. If you shorten that to this last week, he's 11 for 26. So that's a 423 average. I would be going and adding him up in every single league where he's available. If there's somebody that you're debating dropping, I would, I would, I would do it. If there's any kind of debate in your mind about a particular player, and O'Neill Cruz is still sitting on the waiver wire, if it's Brendan Donovan, or, you know, as much as I love him, even if it's Nico Horner, because he got hurt last night, I don't think it'll be too serious with Nico Horner. Uh, it was a triceps injury. I don't think it'll be too bad. Who knows? But if that is your case, where you're holding on to Horner, and you still have a guy like O'Neill Cruz on the waiver wire, please go and make that switch. You will not regret it. There's a couple other guys that you might want to be interested in more so just for power. Jack Sawinski, he could be an interesting add, probably more of a deeper league guy, but... I mean, 260 at-bats, he has 16 home runs. We've seen that he has some power as well. Like I said, it's going to be much more of a deeper league play. But those two guys, I mean, Pittsburgh is just such a poor offense. It's not like you could just list off five, six guys that are going to be playing and you think they're all going to have value because they're playing. Uh, With the Pirates, it's just not really going to be anybody that I'm going to be too interested in outside of O'Neill, Cruz, and Sawinski. I thought about Cabrian Hayes there for a second, but he's just been like, he's been Whit Merrifield level bad. So there's, there's nothing to be done with him there. I had a lot of faith going into the year that Cabrian Hayes would be fantastic, but he's been just awful. So let's keep it going. There are two more teams that do uh, have eight games this week, and they will start it off tonight in a game in which I will be attending. So it's the Rays, and it is the Blue Jays. Now, there are a couple Rays who I think make pretty decent ads here. Uh, Manuel Margot is somebody who I would take a look at. I think that he's... Not the strongest option, but he's somebody who gets regular at-bats every single day. It's going to be eight games of that. It's probably going to be worth it more specifically in deeper leagues. Yandy Diaz is another guy that I would really take a look at, even prioritize him over Margot. Over the last month, he's batting almost 360, and for the last two weeks, is 438. So I like Yandy Diaz a lot. He doesn't provide a ton of home runs or a ton of speed, but he just gives you that kind of consistent, first of all, he's playing pretty much every single day. He's got that corner infield first and third. He's batting 290 for the season in 435 at-bats, so it's not a small sample size or anything. Andy Diaz and Manuel Margot are probably the guys that I'm going to be looking at in terms of uh, a raise ad because eight games, they got four against Toronto, or sorry, excuse me, five against Toronto, and then three against Texas. And I don't even think I finished the run-through there of Cincinnati's schedule. It's four against Cincy and four against the Mets all on the road. So obviously those first four in Cincinnati – you might add up a Sawinski just to play him there for those first few games at Great American and then drop him. So something like that could be a viable option. Don't mean to bounce around here. It's just something that uh, popped back in my head, and I'm just thinking, like, that's like this likely you're going to see a home run there. I'm hoping, you know, these next four games that we see these teams play against each other, we're going to see a, a shit ton of home runs because there's a lot of players that will be added up for the Reds and for the Pirates specifically for the Reds, and I think that that'll be a huge moment in the fantasy season. So something just to keep in mind there. Sawinski might be worth your time if you're looking for just a spare outfielder. That's another player to plug into your lineup. I would give him, I would give him a decent look. In terms of Tampa, Diaz and Margot, those are probably going to be your main guys there. 
In terms of the Blue Jays, there's not really one that stands out so much. I think Rymel Tapia could be a decent ad playing eight games. The thing is, he might not play every single game. He probably won't. Eight games for him will probably end up being five, maybe six. He's been bad. And, I mean, he's been pretty strong recently. And even for the course of the whole season, he's been a lot better than I probably would have expected. I don't know that he's really going to cut it this week. I think Kevin Biggio also makes a decent option. I think that he'll probably have more chances to play Biggio. He can play all throughout the infield and in the outfield. So I think that he's a guy who's more likely to be plugged into lineups uh, more so than you would see out of Rymel Tapia. Biggio is a guy that you should think about. And also Santiago Espinal, even though he doesn't provide a ton of fantasy value, he will be playing every single day. Like Espinal might be a rare day off here and there, but he's, he's the everyday guy. And he should be able to give you a good average, maybe a steal, and some decent counting stats to go along with that for this week. Those are guys on these teams that are more fringy, but I would take them over guys that we mentioned earlier. Those teams that play five games, the Yankees, the Mariners, the Nationals, the Brewers, uh, the Rockies, the White Sox, the Red Sox, and the Orioles. All those teams play five games. So Let's say you were holding on to, uh, let's see. I mean, Rowdy Tellez is a really good example. We've used him a few times, though, so let's talk about some Yankees. So a couple of Yankees that I would really consider dropping would be Glaber Torres and Josh Donaldson. I know Glaber's had a couple of good games here in a row, but he's not somebody who's been that consistent at all over this last month. He's batting just a shade over 200. The home runs are kind of there, but they're kind of inconsistent as well. Like, he could he hit a couple of home runs? It's possible. I mean, he hit two yesterday. So the odds are with Glaber that that's probably going to be it for a week or so here. And with the five games, I'm just not really sold that he is going to be a guy that holds enough value here. Second and short, yes, I like the eligibility. I like what he's done this season. But he might be one of those guys where you take a chance on a Friedel or one of those other dudes who's playing three more games than him. I think that Glaber, I'd, I'd rather hang on to Glaber than the next guy we're going to talk about, but I'd be perfectly okay to drop him. For what it's worth in my own 10-team uh, home points, or excuse me, home category league, I dropped him like three weeks ago and never looked back really. 10-team league, sure, 12s and 15s are going to be different, but I think 10s for sure you can get rid of him, 12s. Eh, probably more team dependent, but I'm still not so opposed to it. The other guy that I would be pretty all right to move on from here is Josh Donaldson. Now, everybody hates Josh Donaldson. That's what's happened here in baseball. I try not to pay too much attention to it because Josh Donaldson is one of our few MVPs we've had here with the Blue Jays. And the Blue Jays, our history here, man, like, it's it's sad. It's honestly sad. Our our star players, the players that were great here in Toronto, this is one of my little Joe patented tangents coming up here. Everybody that was great in Toronto, pretty much, there was scandal. I mean, you get your Joe Carters, who there was nothing ever going on with him, I don't think. Anyway, John Olerud, uh, these guys, Dave Steeb, there was nothing really that we ever heard about. I hope that there is nothing in terms of misconduct or abuse, or drunk driving, or whatever the hell it is. The last two, I mean, the, arguably the greatest player, position player in Blue Jays history, Roberto Alomar, <clears throat> he's obviously a sick bastard. You can go and look up yourself what he did. I don't need to, to share it out on here again. But the team is essentially like parted ways from Roberto Alomar. We took down his Hall of Fame banner. He's no longer considered to be a Blue Jay. I, don't, I mean, obviously, yes, he is still a member of the Toronto Blue Jays' like history, his plaque in Cooperstown, he is wearing a Blue Jays hat. He is the only player in Cooperstown wearing a Blue Jays hat. 
and he is like he's done. He's no longer an idol of mine. Obviously, there's been a lot of bullshit that happened with him. And that sucked because obviously Roberto Alomar growing up, somebody I admired a lot. Another guy I admired a hell of a lot. And you can see it if you go on Twitter, my background cover page, whatever the hell it is, not the profile picture, but like the background banner thing. It's Roy Halladay. I pitched when I was younger. I grew up trying to like pitch. My motion was kind of similar to Roy Halladay. I tried to, you know, you see all these videos of people mock or mimicking Clayton Kershaw's delivery the high leg kick. I tried to do that exact thing with Doc, not the high leg kick. Obviously, the whole Doc movement. And I, I can't describe it properly here in words. You kind of just have to go and, and look it up if you don't know what it mean, what, what exactly that was. But all of this to say is that our legends here in Toronto, and I think it's kind of safe to say that Josh Legend is like a borderline legend of this team. We've only been a team for 45 years. We won the two World Series, and obviously most of those players are considered to be legendary figures on the Blue Jays, you know. We already mentioned Olerud and Carter, and I mean, Alomar was at the time for sure, and Pat Borders and a lot of different guys on the pitching staff, like those guys, Ricky Henderson, um, you know, Jack Morris, there's a lot of great players on those teams, and they're just, they're not really like team legends, specifically Ricky Henderson, Jack Morris, but I mean, those guys, there's nothing really happening with them to tarnish their legacy. Obviously, Jack Morris doesn't have the greatest legacy to begin with. But Josh Donaldson is like our most recent MVP. Obviously, Vlad should have could have possibly been MVP last year, kind of telling myself there. I thought he probably should have been MVP, but I'm also a Toronto homer, so I can't really be trusted in terms of Toronto award judgments. Josh Donaldson is our latest award winner, major award winner. Robbie Ray, obviously, the one, one Cy Young there. That doesn't have the same impact. The team didn't make the playoffs. Like, Josh Donaldson... Led the team to the playoffs a couple of years in a row. He obviously had fantastic seasons. We stole him from from Oakland for Brett Laurie. And it just sucks that, like, he's this kind of guy, and he's not really, I don't know, he's kind of a dick, honestly. Like, we saw him with Jeffrey Springs last week yelling at him to throw him fastballs, and for Springs had just thrown him three fastballs. It was kind of, kind of a weird situation. And there was all the nonsense with Tim Anderson and the whole Jackie Robinson thing that was just so stupid. Like, what, like just asking asking for trouble like I don't care if Tim Anderson called himself Jackie Robinson at some point it's just uh, if Josh Donaldson doesn't see the difference there he's an idiot obviously and I said this was going to be one of my tangents because when I do talk about the Blue Jays I tend to be a little more passionate about it concluding note there on that point is that it just it just kind of sucks to be a Jays historian and look you know even Omar Vizquel spent some time here he's another sick bastard a lot of brutal stuff that happened with him there's just can we just have a couple of, of legends here that don't, you know, completely step out of line? Like, can we have some legends where you can just keep their, their names up on the Hall of Fame banners and everything else? Like, it's just, it just sucks. And I say, like, the whole Hall of Fame thing, he's the only Jay with a hat on in the Hall of Fame, with a Blue Jay hat on. Because when Roy Halladay went in, he went in neutral, which I thought was ridiculous. He said he wanted to go in as a Blue Jay, and the decision was made for him to wear uh, a neutral hat, to wear no hat on his plaque, which I thought was kind of crazy. He was a J for most of his career. But the only J in the Hall of Fame is Roberto Alomar. I could keep going on and on rambling about Blue Jays and their history for probably forever. So I won't do that. That'll all come back to this point here. And I do apologize for those of you who don't give a shit about the Blue Jays, which I'm sure it's most of you. Every now and then, though, you just kind of need a vent. And you guys are the people that I vent to when I need to vent. So that is the end of that whole thing. But Josh Donaldson, He's just not really been doing it for you. He hasn't been his last 75 at-bats. He has 16 hits, two home runs. For the season, his stat line is terrible. He's had 407 at-bats, 
13 homers, 52 RBIs, and a 224 batting average. He has regressed, it seems, in every way, uh, including mentally, and I'm probably going to just be saying, you know, get off my team at this point. 42% rostered, a five-game week, which is likely a semifinal or a final for you. I don't know that he's really going to do that much for you against Boston, against Milwaukee. I don't, I don't love it. I don't hate it. The matchups are, I mean, Milwaukee's tough. Boston's not so tough pitching-wise. I just don't think that Josh Donaldson is really worthy of a spot on your team at this point. So that's pretty much like the schedule stuff. I'll, I'll go quickly one more time. So the teams that have five games, Baltimore, Boston, Chicago, Colorado, Milwaukee, New York, Seattle, and Washington. Those teams all play only five games this week. The teams that play eight games this week, Cincinnati, Miami, Pittsburgh, Tampa, and Toronto. Those are the teams that you guys should be targeting when you are adding your players for this week, or even if you're adding one or two for the first half of the week, then you add a Reds player or a Pirates player because they're going to have those four games at Great American Ballpark. That's something that probably should be done here. If there are any Mets in the second half of the week that you do feel interested in, just as the last point on the schedule, they end off this week with four games straight at home against Pittsburgh. If you can still get your hands on Eduardo Escobar, I think that would be an ideal play. He's up to 57% rostered, but he's been on he's been on fire recently. I mean, he had five home runs in his last 42 at-bats. He's batting over the last month, which granted is only 52 at-bats, but 365. He's been fantastic. He's playing every day. I would take a look at him. and I mean, you might not have him there second half of the week, so maybe you plan ahead and you add one red player. You add Friedel and you add Eduardo Escobar, and then you add one of your pitchers, and we'll talk about a couple of two-start guys here in a second, but that's generally the way it's probably going to go here. You add a red for the first half, probably a Mets player for the second half, I would say, makes sense, and then you hope for the best. Obviously, you're going to have to rely mostly on the guys you drafted and have picked up already, and then this is just kind of trying to plug in a little bit of extra value here. So that is the that is the end of the schedule tangent. I hope that you guys got some useful information there. I know that I do bounce around a little bit sometimes. I do have a bit of a scatterbrain, so my apologies there. But I've, I've listed out a few times now. Those teams that do have five games probably are going to be drops, or those players are anyway. Teams that have eight games might want to squeeze them in, even if they're not the greatest. Let's talk about some two-start pitchers here quickly, because there's not so many that I think have so much value this week. I think it's more of a pick your pick your poison on a given day kind of week. But we'll go through them. So the top three guys, Jacob deGrom, Alec Manoa, Sandy Alcantara. These guys have uh, two starts this week, and they are absolute must-starts. There's nothing nothing to say here. And I'm going off of the Fantrax article that was written by the great Marty Tallman. We usually go off of this one when we go for our two-start you know, analysis because it's very, very nicely laid out here. So he's the guy that we're relying on for these projections. But obviously, Marty is a great dude over at Triple Play. He knows what he's talking about. These articles have helped me out all year, if you haven't checked them out already, fantraxhq.com or Marty Tallman on Twitter. They've really, really helped me out this season, even with just planning for the show. So there are two guys that I would say I'm pretty comfortable, not obviously talking about the DeGroms and Manoas and whatnot. That's the elite tier. Those guys are starts regardless, even if it's a two-star week, both of them at Dodger Stadium. You're obviously going to start them. You don't need to talk too much about them. But a couple of guys who might be more available a little bit. I know one of them in particular is available. We'll start with him here. It's Nick Pavetta. And I know I don't get the warm, fuzzy feeling with Nick Pavetta anymore that we once did this season but he's been pretty all right recently. For the last month, he's pitched to a 3.16 ERA. He's striking about a batter per inning. 
it's it's pretty all right. We are looking at a pretty thin two-start week here. Like the guys that are going twice are pretty much guys that are already rostered outside of those other main guys we mentioned already with Manoa and whatnot. We got Tyler Anderson, Chris Bassett, Jordan Montgomery, Joe Ryan, Kyle Wright, Hugh Darvish. They're mostly rostered guys already. Now, Trevor Rogers, you guys might have picked up Trevor Rogers earlier today or yesterday or maybe even before um, because he's actually turned it around a little bit this season. And today... He had another really good start. He went six and a third. He allowed four hits, two runs, and struck out nine. Now, I I, I don't know what to do with Trevor Rogers. I want to trust him. His next start is against Washington, so it's like, yeah, I'll, I'll take that absolutely. But it's just like he's burned us so badly this year. If he went out against Washington and he got absolutely wrecked and ruined your season for you, that would be like a Hollywood ending to the season for Trevor Rogers. That would be kind of how you... Uh, I don't know, man. I, I just don't know. I don't have any. I don't have any kind of confidence really with Trevor Rogers, even though he's put together like three really good starts in a row here. I, I'm. I'll take him for that national start. I think even the even the Rangers, they're not a really uh, a dangerous team. They don't make you worry so much. But I'm. I, I don't know. A sigh of relief that he got through them. Okay, you can still see Lau and Simeon and Seager just absolutely shit on the guy. It's possible. Obviously, a couple of lefties. I don't even know if they started today. Actually. Uh, let's see, Seager and yeah, they yeah they all started today. Seager over three, Lau two for four. Well, Brandon Lau or Brandon Lau, Nate Lau has been fantastic. But going back to Trevor Rogers, if it's against the Nationals and you just want to pick him up for that one start later in the week, I think it'd be okay. The two step, if you got him for both, now it's looking pretty pretty damn solid considering the way that that first one went. But Nick Pavetta, he gets the Yankees in his first start and he gets Kansas City in the second. Obviously, the Yankee one is a little more troubling. But the Yankees have not really been the Yankees recently. Uh, if you look at some of the lineups they throw out there, they're absolutely brutal. It's just Aaron Judge and pretty much nobody else. So I'll take that. I'll take the Yankees, hope, hold my breath for that Yankee start, and then you get the Kansas City start afterwards that kind of, you know, even if he doesn't do the greatest thing against the Yankees, he can really rebound and give you a decent enough week counting stat-wise to make it worthwhile. The other guy that I'm going to be looking at here, and he is more rostered for sure, and he's somebody who has been a disappointment this year, but it's Michael Kopech. Now, he is 76% rostered, where Pavetta is 35% rostered. So you're going to get more of Pavetta, given the average league. But Michael Kopech just has really fantastic matchups, and that's the main reason here. It's not that he's been great. He hasn't been. He's been rather poor for this whole I mean, second half of the season anyway. It still only equals out to a 3.78 ERA because that's how solid he was to begin the year. But it's obviously tailed off for him. Michael Kopech's starts will be against Colorado at home and then at Detroit. I think that's about as good of a two-step as you're going to find this week for anybody who's below 80% rostered. And I know that's a pretty damn high threshold. But we're talking like... Not every single league here, obviously. This is going to be some of you guys are going to look, and you'll have a Pavetta. Some of you will look, and you'll grab Trevor Rogers for that later start, or maybe you grabbed him last night, you were proactive, and you got him for those couple. Good on you. Michael Kopech is probably more for A, either a shallower league, maybe a 10-team league, or B, you're just in a league where maybe you know the manager, and he's sick of Kopech. He's dropped him already. He doesn't realize the schedule. Maybe he dropped him this weekend, or he plans on dropping him because it's been brutal for Michael Kopech. So maybe that is what has happened. Maybe he's just sitting there on your waiver wires. If he is, I would absolutely go and grab him up. Colorado, away from Colorado, does not scare me. And Detroit, in Detroit, scares me even less. So I am going to be probably, I mean, it's not going to be many leagues, but if you can, then please go ahead and add up Michael Kopech. 
The last thing I am going to do today is mention a couple of other guys that I did talk about as being pretty solid ads. Now, the thing with these other guys, I've mentioned TJ Friedel already. The other dudes are pretty solid ads. They just don't really have the games to back it up. So it's they're more daily change, but I do want to talk about them still because they've been absolutely on fire. And Elvis Andrews is one of those guys. Despite only playing five games with the White Sox this week, if you're in a lineup where you or if you're in a league where you set your lineup every single day, it doesn't matter as much. It still does matter. You know, you you'll have a finite number of ads for the week, probably anywhere from four to six. Maybe it's ten, maybe it's one, who knows? but it's probably somewhere in that range of five. So you don't just want to be burning a bunch of ads, even in a daily changes league. But I think Elvis Andrews might have earned himself a spot on rosters because, honestly, he's been fantastic. 21 games. These stats are as of yesterday from when my article came out. But in 21 games, 303 average, five homers, two stolen bases, and he's leading off for that White Sox lineup. Now, the funny thing about the White Sox lineup, as disappointing as they've been, over the last month, they had the third highest WRC plus in baseball. Now, is that correlation or causation with Elvis Andrews? Probably correlation. It's But Elvis Andrews has been really, really solid. Uh, he's not going to have to compete for playing time. Tim Anderson, I think, is out for the year most likely. Maybe he comes back in the last week. I don't know. That was a disaster of a draft pick. Maybe he cools off a touch, too. But I don't think that should stop you from adding Elvis Andrews. I've mentioned a lot of guys today who might be decent ads. Some of them might be... You know, just way too poor to consider adding to your teams. You know, maybe it's Brian Anderson or Garrett Cooper, one of those guys on on the on the Mets, or excuse me, the Marlins, or maybe it's like Vogelbach on the Mets, or somebody who I mentioned who's like, mm, it's not like the greatest for me. You know, I think Elvis Andrews can pretty much fit into any lineup. He's eligible at short. Obviously, it's a primo position. You likely have your shortstop down, but maybe you stick him in the utility. Maybe you fill him in for another shortstop that you've lost recently. Or maybe it's just somebody that's not been producing that much recently. Maybe it's Nico Horner who went down yesterday and you need to fill him in. Elvis Andrews, I think, should be a pretty decent guy to just ride the wave until it hits the shore. If he has a few bad games in a row, then he's probably a drop. But right now, I mean, it's 21 straight games where he's been really... Not 21 straight games, but in these last 21 games, he's been really excellent. Stealing bases, hitting home runs. I would give a strong look to Elvis Andrews. Another guy, and the funny thing about my article, I didn't really plan on doing this, but all these guys that I talked about are guys who have moved to the top of their respective batting orders over the last several weeks. Some of them, it's more recent than the last week. Some of them, it's a couple of weeks. But all three of the guys that I mentioned in my article yesterday, they're all batting leadoff right now. So that's just another little bit of added value there when you're adding anybody. If they're batting leadoff, it's just more at-bats, more counting stats, Obviously, that's going to be good in most cases unless they go 0 for 15 or something. But most of the time, that's going to be a positive. Now, this last guy, Lane Thomas. I'll get rid of the suspense here. It's Lane Thomas for the Washington Nationals. They are one of those teams that only plays five games. Again, so he's probably more of a deeper league slash daily changes league guy. But again, batting top of the lineup. Since August 1st, he's bat 297 with six homers and four steals. Nice little nine-game hit streak he has going on as well. Now, Lane Thomas is not a household name. When I wrote this yesterday, he was 14% rostered on Yahoo. And I, I doubt it's changed too much, but I do want to just quickly check here. I thought I had had it down before, but apparently not. We had not put it down. Lane Thomas is 16%. So a 2% bump we saw overnight. Very nice, sure. I don't think that he is going to be your 10 or 12-team league savior. It's possible. I don't. I wouldn't recommend adding him in those formats. I mean, the production he's given you over the last month would say, yeah. I mean, he's been just outside of the top 50 for the past month. You could argue he is 
10, 12 team guy in that time, and he is. But going forward, I don't know that I'd be really expecting that kind of play. Is he going to play most days? He's going to play pretty much every single day for you down the stretch. Now, is he going to keep leading off? I would assume so. It's been a couple of weeks now. I think that they're going to keep it the way it is. There's no need to mix things up too much. They're not playing for anything anyway. I would expect him to just stay in that leadoff spot and continue to hit the odd home run, steal the odd base. It's not going to be crazy value like this, but I think he can give you some decent numbers there. I do want to reiterate with all three of these guys that they're not players you hold through thick and thin, and they'll turn it around, and I'll hold them through this week, and it's been a it's been a shitful week, but next week will be better. They're not those kind of guys. These are the kind of guys where you fill them in when your regular players are doing kind of shitful and you just need a break from them. Whether it be any of the guys we've mentioned, a ton of examples of disappointing players today, I think you could take pretty much any of them that I've mentioned, whether it be a Merrifield or a Brandon Lau or whoever it is, and switch them out for one of these guys. And it's not going to necessarily be that they're on the roster for the rest of the season. It might be for a week. It might be for half a week. It's just you add them while they're hot and get that production because right now you need every bit of production you can get. And you kind of need that the whole year, specifically in Roto. But head-to-head right now, it doesn't matter if you have – the greatest team, you could have Judge, you could have everybody in the world. You could have Judge, Goldschmidt, and, you know, it doesn't matter. If those guys go this weekend, don't hit any home runs, the season's over. It just, head-to-head is crazy. I've had a couple messages from people where they kind of got screwed over this week. They lost their weeks because, you know, Garrett Cole missed his second start. It got pushed back. And little bullshit like that, and your whole season's over and possibly hundreds or thousands of dollars. It's very tricky to predict stuff this time of year, but you have to ride the hot streaks. And I'll end the way I kind of started here. With Vlad Sadler, because it was really just a fantastic, fantastic tweet. Do not start players just because you drafted them high. It makes no sense at this time of year. You play guys because they are doing well or they have good matchups or because your alternative options at that slot are not doing anything for you. So just one last time, please, please do not start players just because they're 95% rostered. It's great if they are. It means they're probably a pretty decent player, but it does not necessarily mean that they have to be started here in these last couple weeks of the playoffs. Luis Robert is probably the best example of that. He should be firmly planted on benches, even in weekly settings. He might come back in a few days. You just don't know, and you can't take that chance. Guys, that's going to do it for me for today. I really appreciate those of you who stick around as we enter into the last couple weeks of the season. You guys are the good ones. You guys are the diehards. What I ask you to do, if you have not done so already, is hit that five-star button and subscribe to the podcast, whether it be on Google or Apple or Spotify or Stitcher, wherever you get your shows. We'd really appreciate you guys subbing so you get those shows downloaded every day, even throughout the off-season. You still listen here and there. Help us out with the numbers. And, of course, you know, you leave a five-star review. Other people will see it. Other people see the show. And we grow a little bit, which is, at the end of the day, that is the goal here. We're trying to grow up sports ethos into a big name here in the sports and fantasy sports community. So you guys can help us out with that simply by taking the 10, 20, 30 seconds to hit the five-star, maybe leave a couple of words there if you feel inclined to. If not, the five-star, we will absolutely take it. Even a four-star. You guys want to leave a four-star? We'll take four-stars. We're just trying to, you know, more people get seen through search results than I think most. I mean, of course, you get, like, shared by a big account or something. That's probably the best way to be seen. But just the everyday people liking shows, people subscribing, people doing all those great things. And before I do let you go here, the last thing I will say, go and get yourself a fantasy pass over at sportsethos.com. We got our football. We got our basketball. 
We are really starting to grow this thing up here. And there is a ton of content coming out on Sports Ethos, like the Brewski 150 for those of you who play fantasy base or excuse me, fantasy basketball. That I think is already out. If it's not out, then it'll be out in the next couple of days here. And you know, if you guys are usually people who get the fantasy pass on the basketball side, you get it a couple weeks early, you get all the football stuff. If you look at the Sports Ethos homepage, it's literally all football articles right now, which is something like if you're a hoopball subscriber, you would look back and be like, what the hell have they done here? What has what 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 have they done? It's it's a new world here at Sports Ethos at Hoopball. Some of you still probably know it as Hoopball, but it's a, it's a different time here. We got myself, we got JP over on the football side trying to help us expand out into different sports. You guys can really help us out by going to the going to the website and buying yourself whether it be a fantasy pass, some kind of premium, you know, we have we have there's like 18 different options. You can get just a draft guide, you can get just a wagering pass, just a DFS uh, pass. And this is the time of the year where I know you kind of feel weird like, you know, trying to sell your company's products but this is the time of the year where sports ethos makes our money this is where we keep the lights on uh you know through these subscriptions they go for running the site the entire year the money will make from it so please do consider it if you do play fantasy basketball fantasy football next year there will be premium fantasy baseball content i don't know if i've even said that on the show before it will be coming from myself and from other people now what i plan on doing is this is the very last point my rankings i think i'm going to put out for free next year and then I'll put some certain articles, certain things behind the paywall if I spend more time on it or whatever. There will be different things. But there will still be free content for myself uh, and other people putting out baseball stuff next year. So it won't just be premium. But we are heading that direction ever so slowly here. A uh, couple of things will be behind the walls. But the important thing on my rankings will be free uh, for all next season. So that's something to keep in mind. Please do go follow me over on Twitter at JoeOrico99. All of my stuff gets posted out from there and from Ethos Fantasy BB, E-T-H-O-S Fantasy BB, the best account to follow for your fantasy baseball needs. So guys, that will do it. The best of luck, absolute best of luck. I hope your streams go well. And I hope that everything kind of just plays out so that at the end of the season, you guys are flying flags and you guys are getting checks from your friends or league mates because that's the goal here. First, well, maybe third, to have fun. First, to make money. Second, to win those championships. Everybody's got them ordered kind of differently, but I think those are the big three. However it is that you arrange them, I wish you all the best of luck, and we will see you again tomorrow. Cheers, guys. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.